Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. We're in this collection of talks called Pause, and we've been talking about pushing pause on, uh, on, on, on the busyness and the chaos and the crazy and the demands and the distractions, pushing pause to spend time in prayer. We talked about that in week number one, pushing pause to pray and to, to commune with God, to spend time in his presence. We talked about pushing pause last week uh, and spending time in God's word and allowing God's word to, to penetrate deep into our hearts, into every part of who we are, because it's through God's word that we receive strength, and, and that's where trans, true transformation and change comes from. And so we talked about that. And this week, I want to I shift gears a little bit, and this may even seem on, on the outset like a little bit like an off-topic, but I want to talk to you about pushing pause to rest, to rest. I don't know if you need any rest today. Uh, I don't know uh, if you have had a season where you just feel like it's been crazy or it's been busy. But I believe that in, a, in addition to the other spiritual disciplines and practices and things that God's word calls us to, like prayer and, uh, and, and spending time in his word and fasting and those things, one of the things that God has given us is something called rest. And it's a gift to us. And so we're going to talk about that for a little bit today. Uh, but I started thinking about this. I wrote this down in my journal. I am a recovering workaholic. I am. Um, I, there's a few people that are here today that actually used to work with me on staff at a particular church. It was a phenomenal church. Uh, I, I loved it. It was, it was a church where my life truly was transformed and changed in that church. Uh, but to be candid, we, maybe for a, a stretch, a season, um, we were just, man, we would grind. We, we, we would work hard. We, we, we were hustlers. Like, we even prided ourselves above uh, even some other churches. Like, we felt like we were a little bit like competitors with some of the other churches. Like, we could outwork them, you know. And we didn't do it, like, I don't think in a very super prideful way, but maybe a little bit of pride. <laughs> but we just felt like, man, we love what we do. You know, when you love what you do, you're passionate about what you do, like, you'll give it your best. You'll work hard. You're going to go all in. You're going to be heart, soul, mind, strength, all into that thing. And so that's what we did. Um, but to a default, like we would work so hard, at least I did. I felt like I worked so hard because I loved it. I was passionate for it and passionate about what I was doing. Like I feel like it got way out of balance for me. Maybe not for everyone, but for me, it got really out of, out of balance. I mean, I, I would be at you know three, four services on the weekend at church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Saturday night. Monday uh, was kind of my day off. And so... Uh, day off, but I still was like on, on, on the phone, you know, and still checking emails and still responding to text and still like was kind of on call and available if needed. Um, Tuesday was work all day. And then usually there was something Tuesday night. Wednesday was work all day and something Wednesday night, church Wednesday night. Thursday, there was something, all, you know, work all day long. And then there was a Bible study on Thursday night, pretty much every day and every night of the week. It felt like it, I was out just doing ministry and working. And, and it all was really, for me, it felt like it was justifiable because of what I was doing. It was something I loved, and it was ministry, and it was to build God's kingdom. So it felt very justifiable. It felt like this is, this is okay because it's for God. This is okay because it's to help people. And so it's not okay for other people, but it's okay for me because I'm in ministry, and it's okay for me because I'm building God's kingdom. But the reality is, is that though I loved it, and though it was for God and to help people, it was out of balance. And um, at about 2013, I transitioned from that staff and went on staff at another church. And there were six churches that were, were 
really sort of pursuing Jennifer and I to go on staff at their churches. And as we begin to look at the vision that God gave us, um, one, of the, one of the pieces of the vision that God gave us was to be at a church where for a season we could find a place of rest for our souls. And, um, you know, the clearer the vision, the fewer the options, the easier the decision. We got a clear vision of that type of church, and pretty much every other church were not even an option because they were just like the last church. It was go, 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 take ground, take ground, advance, advance, go, go, hustle. And there was this one church called Gateway Church that we felt like we were supposed to go to because they were known for rest. Now, here's what I didn't know. I didn't know that what I was stepping into was really like a rehab. I didn't know that what I was stepping into would be detox for my soul. When I first sat down with the pastor that hired me, he said this. He looked at me in my eyes and he said, Jason, he said, your life is out of balance. He said, your life, he said, you are, you are burning at both ends. And spiritually, you think that you're strong because of all the doing. But on the inside of you, you're languishing. And your soul is, is very, very empty and burnt out right now. And I remember when he looked at me and he said, listen, here's what you're going to do for the first six months. He goes, you're, no, before he said this, he goes, have you, have you ever checked your kids into kids ministry? And I said, well, no, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm pastoring people and I'm serving people and I'm helping people. And he was like, no, 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 that's not what I asked you. Have you, as a, the father of your kids, have you ever checked your kids into kids ministry at church? And I was like, well, no, my wife goes and does that. She's, he said, well, you need to do that. And he was like, you know what else you need to do? He goes, when was the last time you just went to church and just worshiped with people and just sat down and took notes and, and were just part of the community receiving? And I was like, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor and, you know, I'm there to serve the people. And he goes, for the first six months while you're on staff here, you're not going to do anything on the weekend other than check your kids into kids ministry and come to church and receive. I remember when he said that, something on the inside of me just kind of pushed back at it. And resisted. Here's why. Because I, at that time, I was finding a lot of my identity and self-worth and what I was doing for God and not what I was receiving from God. In the first two or three months, I remember I would go on the weekend and there was a struggle happening on the inside of me. I was detoxing. Literally, if you can imagine a person detoxing from heroin, I think this was worse. I mean, my life was about production and what I was doing and going. And there was a restlessness in my soul that I was even unaware of. It was like I was medicating my own restlessness with ministry. Ministry had become my medicine. And I was going and going and doing and doing. And after about four months, I was riding down the road with Jennifer and our kids fell asleep in the back of my Jeep and we had the top off in the Jeep and it was this awesome day. We're listening to a little John Mayer and we're cruising. We were listening to some worship and we're cruising. Don't judge me. <clears throat> We listened to some John Mayer having this moment, and Jennifer looked at me, and here's what she said to me. She said, Jason, she goes, what did we do before we came here? Literally, my wife looked at me, she said, Jason, what were we doing before we came here? And I was like, well, you know, we were helping people and serving people and building the church and all this kind of stuff. She said, but, but did we ever just take time to do this? Well, you know what she was saying? We were doing nothing, but that was something. It was just being and enjoying each other and enjoying our family and enjoying life and finding a place of rest. And, and what's amazing is, is the previous season of ministry, I felt so like I was getting sick every two to three weeks. And then all of a sudden I saw my physical body. Physically, I began, I began to be more healthy in my life as a result of just being in a place of rest. Write this down. You're the best when you're at rest. 
I found this to be true in my life. I am my best. I'm at my very best when I'm at a place of rest. Now, listen, in this cultural moment that you and I live in, we're addicted to work, busyness, and output. We're out of rhythm. This is the truth. On average, listen to this, on average, we as Americans, we work more than any other country in the world. That may be hard to believe, but I did, some, I did a little research. Americans, on average, work 137 hours per year more than the Japanese. On average, Americans, listen, they, we work 260 hours more than the British. On average, we work, this is crazy, 499 hours more than the French. Although I'm not sure that really counts. <laughs> stop, Jason, stop it. They gave us French fries. Come on, Jason. This is crazy. Overworking is not social. Listen, overworking is not only socially acceptable. It's something we lionize and we celebrate. Even in the moral decay of the West, few people brag about breaking the Ten Commandments. Like, you know, how many lies they told this week or how many affairs they had or how many people are dead as a result of them. You know, like no one goes around bragging about breaking the Ten Commandments. And yet, think about this. And yet, regularly people, probably 99% of Christians, even in churches, will openly talk about how busy we are, how many days we worked in a row, how long it's been since we took a vacation, how many emails are in our inbox, how many text messages we have we haven't responded to because we're so busy or how early we got to the office or how late we stayed. We venerate workaholism in America and busyness, even while we suffer under its cruel tyranny. We celebrate it. Ask just about anybody you know, even people in this room. Ask them, say, hey man, how are you doing? Watch what they say. I'm good, but I'm busy. It's what we say. It's become a part of who we are. Everybody's busy. Busy has become another way to say I'm important. I love what Eugene Peterson, the late Eugene Peterson said this. He says, I, listen to this. I am busy because I am vain. I want to appear important or significant. What better way to appear important than to be busy? The incredible hours, the crowded schedule, and the heavy demands of my time are proof to myself and to all who will notice that I am important. I'm somebody. We live in a society in which crowded schedules and harassed conditions are evidence of importance. When others notice, they acknowledge my significance and my vanity is fed. I am busy because I am lazy. <laughs> I am busy because I am lazy. I let others decide what, what I will do rather than resolutely deciding for myself. Isn't that powerful? C.S. Lewis said this, only lazy people work hard. Think about that. The Bible talks about that we make every effort and we work hard to find something the Bible calls Sabbath rest. How ironic. It's hard work to find rest in the busy culture that we live in. Why are we in this cultural moment of restlessness? It's pervasive. It creeps into every person, every one of us. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. None of those things matter. Restlessness, it creeps into all of us. And here's why. I believe in my humble but accurate opinion, hey, in my humble but accurate opinion, three things, three things. This is what, what drives us and pushes our busyness. Accumulation, we work hard to get more stuff. Accomplishment, we work hard to get this sense of validation of our significance and contribution and approval. We work hard to fill a sense of approval by others and even for ourselves. Now, here's the thing. If we're not careful, our schedules can get fuller and our hearts can become smaller. 
And all the while, Jesus is calling us with this invitation in Matthew 11. Are you tired? Listen to his words. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Look what he says. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. You'll recover it. You know, the, the busyness and, and, and overwork, workaholism, all that, you will lose your life doing it. He says, come to me and you can recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Here's, here's what Jesus is saying. You're going to have to learn how to rest. And I want to teach you to do it. This is something that I'm still, I'm not an expert. I'm a student. And I'm still learning to find this rhythm of grace, this rhythm of work and rest, this rhythm of, of doing, but also doing nothing and being and receiving and enjoying the blessings of God in my life. And sometimes it's hard to do, but I'm learning it. The word Sabbath is mentioned in Scripture, which is uh, the word for rest, the biblical term for rest. Sabbath is mentioned 111 times in the Old Testament and 67 times in the New Testament, to which I would say that underscores that this is important to God. The Sabbath, Sabbath rest. Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, meaning to stop or to cease. Literally, Sabbath means stop and do nothing. Shabbat, it means stop, do nothing, cease, it's cessation of work, do, do nothing. Jennifer and I, we were in Israel for our 10th year anniversary, and uh, we got on an elevator, and uh, when we got on this elevator, we're standing there with some other uh, Jewish people right there in the middle of Old Town Jerusalem, and we're standing there on this elevator, and um, no one's pushing the button. No, no one would push the button, and we're just standing there, we look, and we're like, these people have been standing here and they waited, literally, they waited for us to come in, get on for us to push the button. I looked at Jennifer, I was like, now that's a little extreme. <laughs> but it's, it's true, it's, 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 it's a unique experience if you've ever been to Israel to see the way that they take this so seriously, Shabbat to Sabbath, to cease, to do nothing. Uh, when you begin to study the etymology of this word, you see that, that Sabbath or Shabbat, it finds its root in in this word that means, or in a word that means to breathe, literally to breathe. Um, and, it, and, and, and it's amazing because the first time you see it, the law of first mentions is what uh, theologians call the first time you see something in scripture. You see it in the book of Genesis. And the first time you see rest or Sabbath or that, that breath, you see it, it's with, with God. And I want to show this to you in Genesis chapter 2. It's amazing. Genesis 2, it says this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. So this is after uh, creation. It says, on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation. So he rested. There it is. There, he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the, the day when he rested from all of his work creation. Now, this is kind of a theological, like, just conundrum here. To think that an omnipotent God, all-powerful God, rested? Here's what it means. is Literally, is that God, for six days, he's working, and then he rests. How did God work? How did, he, how did he create? By speaking. Let there be light. What do you do when you speak? Do you know when you speak, you have to breathe out? Let there be. Right? You're breathing out. For six days, God was breathing out, and on the seventh day, he breathed in. Now, he did not breathe in to regain his strength. 
because he's omnipotent. God did not rest out of weakness, but out of wonder. Is that he looked at everything he had created and he just took it all in. See, this is what true rest is. True Sabbath rest is whenever we can, we can stop and just take it all in. And we can totally receive what God has done in and through our lives. This is what true rest is really all about. Now, listen, God established it in Genesis as this, this thing that's part of the creation. It, it's beautiful. It's woven into the fabric of creation, this whole idea of the rhythm of rest, that we work and then we rest. And listen, because it's in the, because it's in the fabric of creation, when you and I go against the grain, we will get splinters. Like this is a part of the way God has established and set up the world. We cannot just keep going and going and going. There has to be this sense of rest. And so God, in the perfect world that he created, he had complementary parts. He had the sky and the ground. He had the land and the sea. He had the sun and the moon. He had male and he had female. Then he had work and he had rest. And when things, listen, when we work, when we mess with that divine design and definition, you know what we're doing? We're making our life get out of order. In every aspect of that, we become out of order, and that's why things begin to not work properly. When things are out of order, you know what they do? They produce friction and frustration. And he says, this is my rhythm. And so he does this. He establishes this in creation. says, this is the perfect world. In the perfect world, there is a rhythm of work and rest. It's not work, 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 work. There's work and then there's rest. This is a part of the way I've designed it. And not only did he say that this is for me, he says, this is for my people. Look in Exodus chapter 20. Look what he says. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath. I think the reason why he says remember is because it's easy to forget. Remember to observe the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Uh, it's amazing because, to my knowledge, I'm, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but to my knowledge and my research, I'm pretty sure every culture, every nation has a seven-day work week. I think it's every single one. I know that the USSR back in like 1920-something tried to change it to a five-day work week and 72 uh, weeks in a year. And it's amazing. As they tried to do that, what they found is that all their machinery, their, their attempts was to try to get everyone working at the same time, right? So there was, people were always working 24 hours. Like this was going to be more productive and more efficient. And what they found is that all of their machines began to burn out and break because it was overworking. Now think, if that's with machines, we're humans, it was burning them out and breaking them and destroying them. So then they said, this isn't working. So now we got to move to a six-day work week. So then they had a six-day work week, and still it wasn't even much better. So eventually after, I think they started this in 1920-something, uh, 19, I think 21, and then finally in 1940 they gave up and they said, it doesn't work. We're going back to seven days. Listen, why? Because it's the way that God designed it. It's his order. It's the way that he structured it. It's the way that he did this. Now, why is this important to God, though? Okay, so I don't want to beat you up and make everybody feel like, oh, my God, I'm not taking a Sabbath. I'm not resting. I'm terrible. I'm just going to fall apart and break. I'm not saying that. But listen, there is a principle here, and I think that there's so much that God wants to teach us. I want to give you three things. Why was the Sabbath important to God? Number one is the Sabbath was a sign. The Sabbath was a sign for his people. Exodus chapter 31. I'm going to read you quite a few verses here, but just, just look at the screen. The Lord then gave these instructions to, instructions to Moses. It says, tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. 
It's a sign. It is given so you may know. So it's for you to know. It is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. I've set you apart. You must keep the Sabbath day, for it is a holy day for you. Anyone who desecrates it, now this is strong, so just hang in there. Don't get up and leave at just this. Just hang on, I'll explain it. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Who? Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. If you have six days, uh, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest. A holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. He says it again. The people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign. There it is again. It's a sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. But on the seventh day he stopped working and and was refreshed. Now here's the thing. Uh, There's an extreme consequence here that for the people of Israel, they would be put to death. Um, I I don't think that God's going to kill us because we break the Sabbath here today. But I think there is a principle beneath the law. Because of Jesus, we're no longer under the law. We're under under grace. But there's a principle underneath that law. And it's this. Could it be that when you and I don't keep the Sabbath, we're killing ourselves? Could it be that you and I, we, we literally... The more that we just work and work and go and go and cram our schedules and busy, 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 and we never take time to rest, that we are truly, we're just, we're killing ourselves, that we're destroying our bodies. Listen, the Sabbath, it was a sign. It was a sign to them, like a reminder, like, remember that you're in covenant with me and that I am your provider, that that your identity is because of me. Your identity is not in your work. Your identity is in me. I am your God. You are my people. So it was a covenant sign for them, but it was also a covenant sign for other nations to be able to see them and to see, why are they not working on this seventh day? And they would literally share. They would tell people why. Because I'm, I serve the God of creation. He worked six days and took off a seventh. Therefore, because he's my God and he's called me to do this, I work six days and I take off the seventh day. It literally became a testimony and a witness to the other nations. It was a sign. It was a sign that I work and then I rest because I belong to the creator. Deuteronomy 5, look at this one. Here's another reason why. It was a sign that they belong to God, not just their creator, but their deliverer. Look at this. Observe the Sabbath, Deuteronomy 5. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, your female servants, your oxen and your donkeys, your cat, whatever. We don't like, never mind. I'm not going to talk about cats, okay? God bless cats. And other livestock and other foreigners live among you. He's like, everybody. Like, this affects everybody. This is like everybody. Like, get, you need to rest. And then he says this. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Watch this. Verse 15. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. This is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Do you realize this? Listen, do you realize that for 400 years, the children of Israel, they were slaves. Slaves don't get a day off. And God says, I'm going to bless my people with something they didn't have for 400 years. I'm going to give them rest, and it'll be a sign that they're no longer slaves. You're no longer slaves. In the same way, there's a principle underneath the death penalty that we mentioned of not keeping the Sabbath that we could be killing ourselves. Could it be that we're killing ourselves by not resting? Could it be that we're returning? We're becoming slaves to our work when we don't take rest, when we don't enjoy 
the gift of rest that God has given us. We're not called to be in bondage. We're not called to be in slavery. We're called to celebrate and to enjoy what God has done. When we don't take a day off, we become slaves to our work. There are serious consequences for breaking the Sabbath. Um, I'm going to show you one that's not just related to people, but was also related to land. Now, here's how serious God was about taking the Sabbath. Um, no, let me show you one more about, about people. Numbers 15. Look at this. This is, this, was, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. Now, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness in Numbers, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. So he's gathering firewood. Gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. This is crazy. They put him under guard. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a really bad guy. He's gathering sticks. It's like, we don't know what he's going to do. He could be crazy. He's been gathering sticks all day, right? Because he had not, uh, not been explained what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, that, uh, that man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him uh, with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. And let me just show you this. There's four things in the Old Testament that require the death penalty. Murder, not keeping the Sabbath, adultery, and rebellious children. So I'm sharing this with you because some of your parents in here, next time when your kids act crazy, just be like, do you want me to show you the scriptures? Like, do you want me? I will stone you. No, don't do that. <laughs> let me just ask this question. Are you, putting your, are you putting yourself to death right now with your work? Are you, are you like, are you killing yourself? with your job right now, like with what you're doing? Like, have you become a slave to what you're producing? Man, I'm not sure where you work or not, but I want you just to think about this. This is not in my notes. This is just what I feel right now. Do you think that that person that runs that business that you work for, would, that they're putting themselves to death for you? Do, do you think that that person, that they, they would kill themselves for you? No, they, they wouldn't. Would they be a slave for you? No, they wouldn't. Why do we do that? Why do, we, why do we kill ourselves and not rest and enjoy the blessings of God? Why do we do this? I think a lot of it, the restlessness is something that's deep within our soul. Sabbath uh, was not only one of the disciplines where uh, the death penalty, but it was also this. Look, in 2 Chronicles chapter 36, I'm just building my case here for you in case you don't believe me. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 36, look at this. The few who survived, talking about Israel, were taken as exiles to Babylon, slaves, again. And they became servants to the king and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. So the message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. Look at this. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, lying desolate until the 70 years were fulfilled, just as the prophet had said. Now, let me explain this to you. God not only gave um, the Sabbath rest that seventh day to the people, he also said this. Every seven years, you're not to plow the land and work the land. You're to give it a break, give it a rest. Every seventh year. So on the seventh year, he said, Israel, do not plow your ground. Do not work the land. Just let it grow. It's actually proven. You can go and study. It's proven that when you give the field, when you give land a break, it will actually produce more if you'll just give it a break every seven years. You gotta, it's as if someone designed this. I don't know. It's crazy that, you know, it's not six years. It's not every five years. It's every seven years. It's, it's really crazy. But here's the thing that's so interesting about this, this whole idea of for 70 years, they were exiled from their land. God took them out of their land for 70 years and put them in Babylon. And here's why. To give the, according to this, to give the land a, a rest. Now, here's what's crazy. You know how many years that they did not let the land rest? 490 years. 
490 years. So, so begin to do the math there. Think about this. 490 divided by seven is what? It's 70. So God said, here's the thing. If you're not going to give my land rest, then I'm, if you won't do it, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to take you out. And I know it's going to be hard for you, but I care about my, my order, the way I've ordered this whole thing. I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to put you over here, and I'm going to give, give the land 70 years of rest, and then I'll bring you back. And if God cares that much about land, how much more does he care about us? Here's a thought that I had. You will, write this down, you will experience the Sabbath either as delight or as discipline. You, will, you, you and I, we will experience as delight, like that is by choice. I choose to rest and to, to delight in the Lord and to delight in the blessings that he's brought into my life and to delight in my family and to de- delight in just, just everything. Just either we will do it as delight, we will experience it as delight or as discipline. What do I mean by that? If you never take, if you never rest and you never take a break and you never enjoy life and what God has brought into your life and the relationships and your friends and your family, if you never take time to do that, what will happen is eventually, here will be the discipline, is that you're, you're going to get sick in your body. Eventually, you're going to be so, uh, so just burning at both ends to where you're going to have this, your, your response to people relationally is going to be like you're on edge you're, you're, you're going to wear your body down to where you're going to get sick, may even get a disease. I, I don't know. Like, like it's going to come either as delight or as discipline. So it was a sign. The second one is this, is the Sabbath was a shadow. Now, this is what I really love, is that it was a sign, but it was more than a sign. It was actually a shadow. Colossians chapter 2 in the New Testament says, so don't let anyone, this is great news. Some of you are like, man, this has felt very heavy up until this point. Here's some good news for you. Colossians 2, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, especially if it's Chick-fil-A. Hey. Or somebody thought the witness. By the way, speaking of Chick-fil-A, do you know that Chick-fil-A, have you ever pulled up there on Sunday and just thought, oh, they're not open on Sundays. Why? What are they thinking? You know why? It's actually, there's a reason why. Because they want to they they observe the Sabbath, and they, they want to let their workers have a day of worship for the Sabbath, and also a day of rest. Do you know, go and study it for yourself. Don't believe me, be the Bereans. Remember we talked about it last week. Go and study for yourself. The average, I think it's the average uh, fast food restaurant grosses about a million a year, Do you, and they work seven days a week. The, the most lucrative day for a fast food restaurant is what day? It's actually Sunday. Study it. Do you know that Chick-fil-A works six days instead of seven, and they make five times the amount of money that other restaurants? Isn't that crazy? I'm telling you, just saying. And today we have Chick-fil-A out in the foyer for everyone as we leave. No, we don't. We're fasting. <laughs> no. I literally started to text Josh uh, last night and say, hey, let, could we get Chick-fil-A for everybody as we're leaving today? And then I remember we're fasting, so I didn't text him. So anyway, okay, Colossians chapter 2, look at this. The Sabbath was not only a sign, it was a shadow. Colossians 2, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. Look at this. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Do you know that Sabbath rest was a shadow, literally like a shadow pointing us to one that would one day come, Jesus? And here's why it's so important, because the reason why you and I, we become workaholics so easy is because we're trying to prove something to ourselves or to other people. 
that we have value, that we have worth, or we're trying to get, get more stuff. Literally, it's like we're, we're unsatisfied, and so we keep working to fill ourselves and to have some kind of satisfaction either through accumulation or accomplishment or approval. And so there's literally, there's a work beneath the work, and there's a restlessness beneath the restlessness. The restlessness is not just your body. It's actually your soul. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, look at this, rest for your souls. See, Jesus is our Sabbath. We find rest in him, in his work for us. I love what Augustine said, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. This is the truth. I wrote this in my journal about three or four years ago. Today is my Sabbath, and I'm grateful for it. I love getting to chill with my family, lounge around in my PJs, drink copious amounts of coffee, read, write, build stuff, sort of, (laughs) sleep, watch TV, sleep some more, and sometimes just do nothing. I used to not be able to do this, but now I've learned how to do it. It's more than just a day off. It's a day, listen to me, it's a day to not only rest from my work, but a day to rest in the finished work of Jesus. For me, it's a day to remember that my work matters, but my identity, my value, and my worth are not determined by what I do or how well I do it, but my value and my worth is determined by the fact that I am made in the image of God. I have been made anew by Christ Jesus, and I am unconditionally valued and loved by my heavenly Father. I continued to write, the Sabbath is a blessing, but without Jesus, just having a day off, without remembering to separate my work from my worth, without pausing to rest in Christ's work for me, in me, and through me, the Sabbath will just become a religious box to check off. I may feel religious and better than other workaholics out there, but the truth is, if I haven't rested in his work for me and found my worth in him, then I am still busy at work trying to find worth, value, and identity in my pseudo-spirituality. Jesus said to a bunch of religious people that kept the Sabbath devoutly, he said this, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, I am your Sabbath. The Sabbath isn't about some law to be obeyed or simply a rule to follow. The Sabbath is more than even a principle. It's a person. It's Jesus. See, the Sabbath points us to Jesus. What's interesting is that the Bible says that Jesus is our true high priest. When you go to the Old Testament, do you realize that there were no chairs in the temple where the priests served and worked tirelessly? You know why there were no chairs? Because they weren't allowed to take a break. They weren't allowed to sit down because their work was never finished. And then, you know, in the New Testament, when Jesus goes to the cross and he does the, the work for us, he goes to the cross, sacrifices his life in our place. He breathes his last breath. There it is, a breath again. He breathes his last breath. And then he, he says this, it is finished. Three days later, he's resurrected. And, you know, the first thing he does after he ascends up to heaven, he takes a seat. He sits down at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father as our true high priest. You know why he's seated? Because the work is finished. The work is finished. Elton's over there laughing. What you laughing at? (laughs) You cracked me up. Come on up here and I'll finish with this. Here's the last one is this. The Sabbath was a system. It wasn't only a sign. It wasn't only a shadow. It was a system. What was the system? It It was a delivery system for God to deliver blessing and delight 
and refreshment and replenishment and, and, and encouragement to his people. It was his system. See, vision, we say this in our growth track, vision is only as good as the system you have to deliver it. God had a vision for his people, but then he said, I'm going to give you a system. I'm going to give you a system. If you'll work this system, it will, it'll literally, it will position you to be able to receive my blessing. Isaiah 58, look how the, the prophet says it in verse 13. If you watch your step on the Sabbath, which essentially means observe the Sabbath. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage. Here's what that means, personal advantage. Read the dif- different translations in the original language. They were, li- they were using their, the seventh day, the Sabbath, as a day to get ahead in their work. Have you ever done that before? He says, don't do that. If you treat the Sabbath day as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you will be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you, a, I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. In other words, this was a delivery system. God says, if you'll, just, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll get in order the way that I have set this thing up, it's going to position you in a place where I'm just going to be able to deliver blessing upon blessing in your life. You're going to be able to enjoy life. You're going to be able to enjoy your relationships. You're going to be able to enjoy my presence. This was a, this was a delivery system for even more of the blessing of God in their life. And I, I really, I, I think that you got to understand that this is, this is something that's so powerful, but a lot of times it's overlooked. Why? Because it's no longer, we're no longer under law, we're under grace, and so people just think it's not important anymore. Why is it that we think the other nine, ten commandments are important, but not this one? Right? In creation, there were, there were a lot of things that God made. Think about this. He created the sun, the moon, the stars, the land, the sea, uh, living creatures like animals and fish and those things, uh, male and female, so humans. And he created the Sabbath. So he created a lot of things. Do you know that with everything he created, he said this phrase, he said, and he saw that it was good. But there were three things in creation that he not only saw that it was good, but he also said, it says that he declared a blessing over it. Read it when you get a chance. Genesis chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. It says that whenever he created all the living creatures, God said, it says this, then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish of the seas and the birds of the air multiply. Genesis 1, 27 through 28, whenever he created humans in his image, he goes on in verse 28, he says, then God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. And then in Genesis chapter 2, says, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work, and God blessed the seventh day. God blessed only three things in his creation account. Living creatures who could be fruitful and multiply and reproduce life. Human beings who could be fruitful and multiply and reproduce life. And the Sabbath. Why the Sabbath too? There's a pattern there. Because, listen, it brings fruitfulness in our life. It it literally, it's like, you you know the word uh, recreate or recreation? It's recreation. When we rest, we are recreating. It's bringing us life. Why? Because God's blessed it. It's something that he's blessed. Could it be that when we miss out on God's day, we are robbing ourselves of God's blessing? So does the Sabbath day still belong to you and I? Yes and no. No, it's not an imposition. God's not going to be mad at you and you're not going to get stoned after church if you haven't been observing the Sabbath. Okay? No, it's not an imposition, but guess what? Yes, it is an invitation. It's an invitation that still stands for us. Jesus says this, hey, come to me. Come to me. Rest. Find your rest in me. It is an invitation from Jesus to come and to receive from him. So, 
here's what I want to finish with and, and encourage you with this. Some of you in here, I know, you're probably a lot like me. You're a workaholic. You got, your, you got slack on your phone, so you're always working. You go to the bathroom, and you're checking emails while you're on, in the bathroom. And, you know, and it's like we, we never take a break. We never stop. We never stop. I don't know what you need to do to rest. Your first step may be just like taking half of a day. For me, the Sabbath for me is typically on a Friday. I love all of you, but you can't get a hold of me on Friday. Some of you have invited me to do things with you on Fridays, and I don't do it. I always say, no, I already have an appointment. You know what my appointment is? Nothing. That is my appointment. I'm not legalistic about it, but I'm just trying to, I see there's a rhythm that I'm trying to keep in my life. I have found that I'm my best when I'm at rest. Friday is my Sabbath. You know what I do on Friday? Monday through Thursday, I walk my kids to school. On Friday, I sleep in. Last Friday, I slept till 10 o'clock, and it was unbelievable. My pregnant wife walked our kids to school. Sorry, babe. <laughs> slept in, spent about three hours just worshiping and reading my Bible and praying, work out a little bit, not much, but a little bit. <laughs> We're fasting, so I'm not eating a ton of food. The ideal Sabbath for me is like hanging out with some of my friends and going up to Napa and just like eating mozzarella and bread and just like just enjoying spring mountain and just like just seeing the creation and just like and not responding to emails and texts I used to not be able to do it but now I'm positioning myself just to enjoy just to receive I'm telling you I'm gonna be a better dad a better husband a better pastor a better leader if I rest like that and you will too you need it where do you start I don't know listen here's what you need to do you need on your sabbath you need to you need to Stop whatever you do as output for income, stop it. Whatever you do for outcome that's output for income, just don't do that. Worship, pray, rest, nap, watch some Netflix, nap, eat. Even in the Jewish tradition, couples, couples, married couples would have sex. Like that's a good Sabbath. Amen. Fellas? It's a good Sabbath. I'm going to pray right now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just pray. <laughs> Lord, I just, I just pray for my brothers and sisters that we would not. Here's the here's reality, God. Here, here's the reality. We live in a city that is so busy. We're just go, 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 go. Rush, 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 rush. We're trying to change the world. We're trying to create. We're trying to innovate. And all that's good and all that's great. But, God, we can do more with six days with you, honoring you, than we can in seven days not honoring you. It's just like the principle of the tithe. We, we can do more with 90% with you than we can with 100% without you. That, 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 it's just principles. They're not laws. They're not bringing us condemnation. They're principles that you have placed for your people. And so, Lord, I just pray that us as a community, that we would not look like the, the, the culture of this moment, the world around us, that we would not be mirroring and mimicking this go, 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 rush, 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 and, and trying to just accumulate more and accomplish more and get approval. But God, that we would just rest. We would just chill. We would cease. We would stop. And we would rest in you, Jesus. We thank you that our worth is not connected to our work. Our work, our worth is connected to your work. We love you, Lord. Forgive us right now, Lord. Forgive us for being so prideful to think that everything's going to stop if we don't keep working. That, that our, our department's going to fall apart if we're not there. Or that it's not going to get done if we don't respond to this email right now when we should be focusing on our children. God, I've done it before. Help us to be fully present, fully engaged in those days of rest and Sabbath. Fully engaged and present with you 
with our friends, with our family, those relationships that matter most. We love you and we honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.